Welcome to the 18th episode of the Valencia Property Podcast and this is my second go because on the first one I actually forgot to press record. Luckily I was interrupted by a phone call and well the rest is history. That's 10 minutes of my life I'll never get back. Anyway I almost didn't get this one out this week due to well not recording it and also life. On Monday I spent the whole day with pins and needles in my left hand, that evening I felt a bit of tightness in my chest, so on the advice of the wife it was off to the hospital just in case. Anyway, they did some tests, put me on a paracetamol drip and waited for the results, and after an hour or so they gave me the good news that the tests were all okay. But just in case they had a false negative, they were going to keep me in overnight and do some more tests. That was the worrying part. The next morning more tests, including an effort test to exhaustion, and everything was totally fine. I got out in mid-afternoon and more or less I went straight off to the Villarreal Liverpool match to spend some time really, really tense, which is probably just the thing you need if you think you've had a heart scare that same day. Anyway, this was during the heaviest rain ever seen in May in Valencia. So the next day was dealing with a few people who had issues with flooding the day before and lots of visits that had been put off that day due to the biblical rains and my car needing a service. Have I mentioned the rain at all in previous podcasts? Well... We've had two months of rain to now. The forecast suggests that things are getting more spring-like in the next few days, and as I turn around and look behind me, well, it's sunny outside. But they've been saying that for a few weeks now, and a couple of sunny days keep giving way to more rainy days. It is totally and utterly... I'd say it's never happened before. I've been here for 23 years, and this has never happened two months of rain. So hopefully we'll get to the summer soon. So today, as usual, we'll start with our listener questions that have been sent in before moving on to our subject for today, which is living in Valencia and exploring Spain. The first question was from Rod, who sent me a load of properties he wants to see on his visit next week, but none of them actually exists. Pardon me? Uh, anyway, Rod's question was about presentation of properties online as a result. Why are companies allowed to put up renders and false prices and false images? And the answer is because they are. I've never seen a render which even slightly resembles the finished product. And why is that? Well, here is your quick and dirty guide as to why you should almost never buy an off-plan house. In fact, let's not call it quick, let's go through a whole list of reasons because there are lots. Number one. The render always includes one house with plenty of space. Never the 20 places that surround it, and believe me, there will never be just one as a developer makes no money making one house. Number two, the render always suggests that spaces are bigger than they will be. The plot always looks huge, despite the small print saying something like, spacious 400 meter plot. That isn't spacious. Older plots will almost always be bigger. 400 meters basically gives you a path around the house until you reach the wall, that's it. Number three, unfortunately you don't look as sexy and young as the couple who share the render and their dog never craps on their perfect garden either. I'm sorry, but you don't, I don't, none of us do. They're impossibly beautiful on every single render. It's a good dog too. Number four, the views are never what they put there. Your view will likely be the wall just three meters away from your window because the plots are so small. And if not that, then definitely another small house the developer is building next door, behind, in front and around you. You will never get a good view from one of these new builds. Number five. The best ones are gone by the time you see them. 
The ones you are offered are the dregs that are left after they've reserved the best for themselves for future sales at a higher price, or offered them to the investors who fund the builder. The investors who fund the builder will demand that they get the best choice first, and therefore everything else is the dregs. Number six, the bedrooms aren't that big either. They look big on the renders, but really they're not. There'll be enough space for a 1m35 bed, but don't think about getting the 150 bed from Ikea as you won't have space for the bedside tables then. They will be too small. Number seven. The materials are not of the quality that's depicted. Developers want to make as much money as possible. So what they depict is often 10 times better than what they actually put in the houses. So those brilliant looking tiles, that perfect work surface in the kitchen, might not look so perfect when it's actually put in. Did I say might not? It won't be. Number eight, it's not furnished either. And you probably can't afford what is depicted there. It's not Ikea. You're gonna get Ikea just like I would, just like everyone does. Ikea looks great, but it's not the ultra sleek expensive stuff in the renders. Number nine, probably the most important, it won't be finished on the date in the advert. It might not even be started by then sometimes. And even if it is, then it isn't really finished because of, well, number 10. The snagging will never get done. Once you move in, good luck with getting the builder to back to fix problems. They're onto their next project. They're not interested in small jobs like that. They're interested in big projects. And so that's it. That's our list of why you should hardly ever buy an off-plan property, at least in the Valencia region. In other areas, you might not have any choice, but here, forget it. Vicky asked us about garages as investments. She said, no worries if it doesn't appeal, but I really appreciate a blog post on buying other types of real estate to rent out. I think you even mentioned shops recently, but I was thinking mainly garages as they seem to come up a lot. Do you sell them and where should people look for it if not? Okay, we do sell garages as compliments to golden visa purchases, for example, and we often help people to find garages as a place to, well, you know, park the car. Um, but sometimes it's just an income source because they are quite a decent investment and the reason is, well, there's a lot of demand for parking your car. Valencia is a pretty difficult city to park your car in. How safe an investment are they? What's the demand likely return? Well, demand is always huge. Returns vary, but expect 80 to 120 euros per month per space, so the asking price is important to know. It's a big difference in return if you're paying 10,000 euros for a garage compared with paying 30,000 euros for a garage, and even 50,000 euros for a garage in certain areas in Valencia. Also bear in mind, you do have community costs if you have a garage space in a residential building, so you need to take that into consideration when looking at your returns. And where do you find tenants for these garages? Well, you advertise online, and you even advertise on the garage door and someone will snap it up in most areas. And the reason they'll snap it up is because they're desperate for somewhere to park their new car that isn't on the street. The next questioner shall remain anonymous and you'll know why when I answer the question. I feel like I should say something smart. But it wasn't so much a question as a statement of what is not going to happen from someone getting in touch with us for the first time last weekend, just after the last podcast was released. They said, I'll be in Valencia next week from Monday to Friday, giving me plenty of time to find a place. I want to be taken out to see five properties every day on Monday to Thursday and will then choose from the 20 or more we see. I'm busy on some mornings or afternoons, so here is my list of available times for viewing and what I want. Now, I could go into the budget, frankly ridiculous, 
or their requirements, not stated clearly, or their demand to have that much of our time at such short notice, or the expectation that we are just sitting around waiting for their gilded presence in our lives, but I won't. Obviously, I'm much too good for that. I'm not. I'm really not. Suffice to say, we wish them well on their visit and good luck in finding a place and agents willing to work with them. We're busy, but seriously, even if by some miracle we weren't, do you think we would be dropping everything to deal with someone? I'm pretty tactful and polite usually in answering emails, but sometimes the tone of a mail can just rub me up the wrong way. Most of the mails we get are basically asking for information or thanking us for the information we've provided, even when they may be buying outside of our area of influence. But at times, we get someone who is just, say, a tad entitled? No, 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 no. You know that saying, the customer is always right? Nah. One question though. Do you think they will have found something or do you think they will have had a long week of frustration in the rain? Let me know in any comments that you make when you see this online. I suspect they didn't find anything. I'm putting you on my list of enemies. So, on to today's podcast and the main part today is about living in Valencia and exploring Spain. Firstly, we obviously think that Valencia is a great place to base yourself and the World Health Organization among others agrees wholeheartedly with that thought, along with a growing number of people from around the world. Valencia is safe, the climate is great, the cultural offerings are excellent and there's plenty to do without being overwhelming. However, a lot of our clients come here in order to slow down and use Valencia as the base from which to explore Spain and more widely. You have chosen wisely. Therefore today we are looking at the ways you can use Valencia as your base and get a way to explore other great areas of Spain. What's there to see, where and more. So exploring the country from Valencia is easy. There are internal flights to the islands, the rest of Spain and internationally, but a much better idea is to climb into your car or grab a train ticket and get out. As we have mentioned before, the trains in Spain are excellent and affordable. You can be in Madrid in just under two hours in a train that eats into the distance at 300 kilometers an hour and is as smooth as silk for the whole journey. The best things about the Spanish AVE train network, apart from their smoothness, are the regularity and timeliness of them, the air-conditioned carriages, the quiet carriages, and the views, and the fact they pick you up in the centre of a city and drop you off in the centre of another throughout the country. Equally, for most people coming to Valencia and Spain, although not for our North American clients, Spain is a big country, and there's no more relaxing way of seeing it than from a train window. This also means you can go on some epic road trips, encompassing hugely different environments, vistas and cultures. And in the next part of this pub, we're going to look more at that. Let's just mention the roads at this point. They're brilliant, whether connecting the big cities and towns, or the back roads in most parts of Spain. They're not potholed in general, they're not overgrown, and they're hardly ever covered by cones and changed to a contraflow system at a maximum speed of 30. Yes, UK, I'm looking at you. From the flatlands of the Valencia Huerta and the coastal strip, you invariably go up as you move inland in Spain. From the international hub of Barcelona, down to the South American stylings of Cadiz, the green coast of Asturias and Cantabria, the fjords of Galicia, the olive groves of Andalusia, the ham-producing areas of Teruel and Extremadura, the exoticism of the Canary Islands, the party atmosphere and style of the Balearics, and even the not-the-real-Spain of the Costas. Spain has a lot to offer in terms of different looks and feels, and that's before even mentioning flamenco, dancing white horses, small town fiestas and traditions. Spain is different is possibly the best tagline about any country thought up by a tourist office. 
It was perfect. Culture and UNESCO. It's not only the look though. Spain ranks third in the world for World Heritage Sites designated by UNESCO, from the Alhambra in Granada through the cave paintings of Altamira to the cultural traditions of flamenco and fayas, Spain has a lot to offer, to see and to participate in. Culturally, Spain is an amazing place to discover with a rich history, and it can take a whole lifetime to discover everything that is on offer. Every small town or village will have its own fiestas at different times of the year, and it's impossible to see, hear or know about every one of them. I don't, and I've lived here for ages. Of course, you can choose to visit the Tomatina in Buñol at least once in your lifetime. But what about the baby jumping festival in Burgos? The festival of Santa Marta de Ribarteme in Pontevedra, where the survivors of near-death experiences are carried through the town in open coffins and then have drinks. The Human Tower Building Festival of Tarragona or the Tamborrada Festival in San Sebastian. If you're starting to think that the Spanish will use any excuse for a good fiesta, then you'd be right. We don't live to work here, but work is a means towards an end of living. I've left some links in the show notes about weird and wonderful fiestas in Spain. And what's the best thing about all of these festivals? Well, most of them are growing, and the Spanish don't want to see their traditional festivals die, so they make sure that not only does the community participate, as it's a total social bonding thing, but also the outsiders are welcome to take part. It's not only fiestas though, you've got different landscapes around Spain. A little known fact is that Spain is the second most mountainous country in Europe, behind Switzerland, supposedly. As mentioned earlier, you come up from the coastal strip towards the centre and you're going uphill. And this gives the possibility of hugely impressive landscapes near to every population centre, meaning your exploring days are almost always satisfying. Whether you're looking at the Picos de Europa mountains in Asturias and Cantabria, the Pyrenees separating Spain from France, the Sierra Nevada outside Granada, the volcanic backdrops of the Canary Islands, or the mountains surrounding and separating Madrid from the north of Spain, there's almost always something to marvel at on your journeys around Spain. It's true that the plain in Spain is mostly flat and without distinguishing features, but every hundred or so kilometres, you'll come up an oasis of culture, life, vibrancy, usually built around an old castle, monastery, bend in the river or relic of the past. This will be a place where an unknown virgin supposedly changed her jumper on the way to Damascus, or some other random religious fact like that, invented for medieval tourists making their way towards Santiago that has passed into folklore and fact in the dim and distant past because, yes, they're mostly bullshit stories invented to try and entice pilgrims into leaving arms in churches along the route and thus grew towns, traditions and communities in the most inhospitable places at times. Also, the vegetation is so different when you're going around Spain in different areas, giving a different look to many parts of Spain from the others. Whether it's the deserts in Almeria, the palm groves in Elche, the orange groves in Valencia, the mountainous greenery of northern Spain, the Nordic coastlines of Galicia, the volcanic blackness of Lanzarote, the beautiful long sandy beaches. I bet you can't believe I got so far into this podcast without mentioning beaches even once. Or the historic architecture and looks of the cities, towns and small villages all over Spain. There's always something for everyone to enjoy. Spain is more than just sun, sea and sand. But if that's what you want, then of course Spain has it in spades. Buckets and spades. Loads for kids to do, 
with a huge emphasis on family life and leisure, you'll never tire of exploring Spain. And for those of us who have lived in Valencia for over 20 years, like myself, I can safely say, without prejudice or fear of contradiction, that I haven't even finished exploring Valencia, and Spain is still a big country. There's so much left to see and do. And you know, I envy you. If you're coming here for the first time, you've got so much more to explore than I have too. Enjoy it. Anyway, this week we have our recommendations as normal. Our recommended video is an hour of drone footage from all over Spain with calming music. If you need some relaxation, here it is whilst enjoying images and music of all these different landscapes we talked about earlier. Our recommended articles include the weird and wonderful festivals you can find in Spain. There's quite a lot there. If you fancy um, seeing someone jumping over babies, that's a decent one to look at. And our recommended property today brings in a history lesson from Encortes in Valencia. It's all to do with a large apartment there. It's well worth looking at. So that's it for our 18th podcast. We've got a couple more to go before we go monthly. So from me, for now, it was great to produce this for you. We hope you enjoyed it. If you've got any questions, get in touch with us at information at valencia-property.com or just WhatsApp me on 657-994311. We'll be happy to answer any questions. Oh, by the way, if you want to buy a property, get in touch with us. We've got lots. Go ahead. Make my day. Goodbye.